Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. You who are online, you are in the room. Everybody, good morning. Like Emily, I'm Emmy. I'm sorry, I just am not quite used to it yet. Like Emmy, I'm just always jazzed to be here with you and connecting with you and with God, and it's just a great thing to be able to do that. We're having, we're having a great opportunity right now to do something off the ordinary. Before we go into the message, what we're going to do is talk about the fantastic leadership that's going on in this church. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to put the names uh, and pictures of the current session up on the wall there. So what, what you need to understand is we're having a brief lesson in celebrating God's goodness of leadership and also in the call that we have as a family of faith to invite people to lead us. So this is the session of the First Presbyterian Church. You may or may not remember this, but you not you elected them. And what we have, a, there are 11 there, we have one unfulfilled term. Next Sunday morning between the two services, which means you'll stay here a little longer, we're going to elect four more people to be the class of 2026. So they'll serve three-year terms, next year the 24-year, 25-year, 26-year. So here they are, the current elders. Um, so what I wanted you to understand is this. We, you elected a nominating committee, and that nominating committee has been working to ask God, who is it you want to be a part of this senior leadership team, and who is it you're asking us to, to nominate? So next Sunday, you're going to get their four nominees, and you're going to be asked to vote on it. But here's what I want you to understand, that this is like your civic government in the city of Tampa, we have an elected city council and they really make most of the decisions and you and I just voted them into the office and it's sort of that way in Presbyterian government. I mean, we don't, the, the most important stuff we all do, but with the managing the budget and making sure things go well and hiring and all the kinds of administration, the leadership and making sure as a group of pastors or shepherds, we take care of each other and we take care of the city of Tampa. That's their job in a nutshell. And what you need to understand is the list is this long from that elder nominating committee of people who'd just be awesome at it. And it's just such a privilege to be a part of a family of faith that has so much talent, ability, and willingness to serve in this senior leadership capacity. And you and I get to be a part of that because what you get to do is elect them. And then what you get to do is pray for them and listen to them and follow them and tell them what you think. And you've, some of you have been feeding us names of folks you thought, and that's what we ask you to do when we elected the nominating committee. We ask you to tell us names of people you thought we ought to consider. And the list is really long. And we have some longevity or continuity in the committee that helps to remember. And we have this long list and we just keep working our way through it. It's just a joy. It's an unbelievable privilege. So you're going to be privileged to be a part of a meeting next Sunday. It happens between the two services. The folks that worship at 1030, I'll do this and invite them to come a little early. I'm going to invite you to stay a little late next week. And then you're going to get to hear the nominees that, are, that have been prayed for. They prayed. They talked to their families. They thought about it. It's just phenomenal. So this is a way that Presbyterians do things. The word presbuteros in Greek, in the Greek text in the New Testament, presbuteros means elder, and it doesn't mean older chronologically. It means elder in the sense of shepherd or leader because we have people in our leadership team spread through the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. We got a great distribution in the family of faith as well as in the leadership team. So it's a privilege 
to be a part of it, and it's a privilege. You, you're just going to be excited. Look at those people. They are, oh, they're gone. So there's the meeting date. Next, <laughs> next, next Sunday, we're going to do that right in here. I want you to look forward to it. And if you have questions between now and then, ask me. And then what we'll do also, if you have questions after it happens about the next one, every year we do this, we'll elect another committee to nominate people, and then we'll have another meeting to elect them. So it's just the way that Presbyterians do things. One third of the class changes every, every year. So it's, it's four, year, it's four classes, uh, three classes of four people. Sorry, I know that's a lot of detail, but here's what you want to be excited about. The awesome gift of God putting people in, the, in his path of work who love him and who want to see this family of faith prosper by growing out as well as growing deep. And that's what we're all about. So how's that? We good? Uh, maybe, maybe we all just say yay. yay. Look at them. So there you go. All of that's that. Let me catch my breath. We're back to our series we've been doing, One at a Time. And this morning, we're going to ask, this is the final Sunday, and we're going to ask a powerful question, and you're going to really enjoy this. But we're going to start this way. I'm going to ask you a question. Now, this is not the powerful question. This is warming us up for it. If someone was to describe you with one word or two, maybe, of what your sort of everyday kind of normal state of mind and emotion is, or maybe I should say state of emotion and mind, what would that one or two words be? You with me? So I asked my wife, Kathy Connor, this morning, what would you say, Kathy, is the one word that describes me just sort of as my general state of mind? And she said, you know what she said? Happy. And she's right. And when I wake up in the morning, usually I feel pretty good. You know what else? There's a, there's a nuance to it. And I didn't share this with her. I said, I, I like being around people. I'm glad to see you. It just comes naturally to me. Now, you can do things to make me not want to be glad to see you. <laughs> but I just, I wake up that way. It's not anything special about me. It just is. Some people wake up and they really need to be alone for a while. They don't want to, they don't want to see anybody because they need to go at the start of their day a totally different way. I'm, it's not better or worse. It's just different. So that's how I wake up most days. And I feel it. That's how I am. So the great question, you, you might, by the way, want to ask somebody who knows you well. And, and the, my hunch is that if they know you well, they're going to say something you're going to agree. But if you ask them and they say something you don't agree, maybe you need to do a little work. You know what I'm saying? So anyhow. The question I want to think, ask you to think about now is, what do you think would be the kind of way that people might describe Jesus? Well, sort of the state of mind, emotion, that Jesus might most frequently have experienced or what people might say experienced. Well, Jesus certainly uh, felt anger. That was an emotion he experienced. Grief, frustration, Loneliness, rejection. You can think some others, maybe. Just it, 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 picture I mean, stories of Jesus in the in the Gospels. But here is the one I'm going to suggest to you that Jesus is described as experiencing the most. You ready? Compassion. In the Gospels, I think you could say that if you read them carefully, what we see most of Jesus in terms of the more frequently occurring description of him is compassion, concern for others. And many of us might say, well, <laughs> I'm, 
my first thing is really concerned for me, <laughs> the, the, the new Holy Trinity, me, myself, and I. So we might say that's more likely to be what we're like. We're more concerned about ourselves. But Jesus is always concerned about others. And there's just four quick texts here to make the point. And it, there are 13, but here are four. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. Jesus had compassion on two blind men, and he touched their eyes. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus had compassion on people, and he prayed for them. Mark 6, 34. Jesus had compassion on people, and he fed them. Mark 1.41, Jesus had compassion on a leper, and he touched him and healed him. So what we're seeing here is that Jesus' compassion is never compassion, period. It's compassion and and one at a time, what we're going to talk about today is the power of and, A-N-D. Jesus, not compassion, period. Compassion and. That's how he rolled. That's how Jesus rolled. You're not going to be surprised to hear that I can prove it with Greek. <laughs> I know you can't see this online, but here are the 13 places that this word shows up. It's a verb. I'm going to pronounce it for you. Are you ready? Spanglizomai. Spanglizomai. Splangnon is the noun form. You know what splangnon is? When a Greek or a Roman person described the human body in the first century, here's your head, right? They didn't know what was going on inside their head. They didn't know that brains were where we did cognition. They thought the head was the place that you put pretty things on and you grew pretty hair and you, you dressed your face up. They thought here in your heart, Hebrew word lave, Greek word cardia, is where we thought, where we made decisions, volition, reasoning, confidence, those kinds of things. Splongnon, guts. It's where your guts feel things. We, we often think of head, heart, head think, heart, feel, and down here I guess extra feelings, <laughs> upset feelings. But, but, but for, for them, and when they looked at a human body, that's how they saw things. So the splonizomai is Jesus is having compassion. His entrails are moved. His, inner, his entrails are feeling it. And so it occurs 13 times, and four of them are in parables. The other nine are about Jesus has compassion and. And so here's what we want to say. The test of compassion is in the conjunction. Is there an and? There is in the way Jesus responds to us, to the human condition, to you and to me. And what we're saying in this series is that we want to go on Jesus' mission, and we want to accomplish Jesus' results, and we're going to use Jesus' methods. And his methods are one at a time and. 
he does something. He sees and hears. He splankness. And then he touches. What happens with Jesus is that his eyes and ears hear things. He responds. And then his muscles do things. That's what's happening in the way he treats people. You and me. That's the way of Jesus. And that's going to be our way. We're going to see a passage, one of the 13 that I read, in this Jesus is encountering a person, a situation, and we're going to see him splankna the people. You ready? Here we go. This is in Luke's gospel. It's chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. That's what we're going to read. And we're going to say that Jesus is going to a city here in just a couple of lines called Nain. I'm just giving you a little geography. This is, by the way, nowhere near what's been happening yesterday and today. This is further north up near the Sea of Galilee. This is six, five, six miles south and east of Jesus' hometown, Nazareth. You with me? And you, with those of us that went to Israel and who've been with Kathy before, we did not go to Nain, but the site where this miracle took place is there. So here's the, another thing you need to know about the architecture of cities, even little teeny little villages. There would be likely to be a wall around it with gates so that's important in this story because there's a gate. And when I say gate, the one that we saw in a little city was probably about this wide. The top of the gate was about 12 feet and the wall was 10 or 12 feet high. And so it was just the way people lived their lives to protect themselves. And I, that's, it was protecting themselves mostly from other people, not from animals. So that's what the setup. You have this little town called Nain. It's just a teeny little town, just barely a blinking light. Okay, little, small, little crossroads. But it would have had a wall, would have had gate, more than one gate. And that's where this scene is happening. Okay, so here we go. Luke chapter 7, 11 through 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, again, coming from the outside, coming from the northwest, down just a five-mile hike, coming down to the city of Nain, as he approached the gate, the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. So you would take your dead folks on a mat and you'd, you'd take them out. You wouldn't bury them inside the wall. You'd bury them outside the wall. So they're taking this man out. This, uh, uh, a town gate, the dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother and she was a widow. And then the large crowd, now this is a second different crowd, from the town was with her. So on we go. Uh, I'm sorry, I think my eye jumped. Did I miss a chunk? No. Oh, okay. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. That's bad grief counseling, by the way, on the part of Jesus. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it, you laughed. I thought you would. But he knows what's coming. So for him, very good grief counseling. Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the beer, which is the mat they're holding him on. Not really a coffin, just a, probably a, a mat. And the, the, the dead person was on, in burial clothes and on top of it. Then he touched the beer they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. 
one last little slide. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So just a couple of other details. I've had a little fun with some of them in there. The first thing is here, just again, in your mind's eye, a crowd of people mourning. Maybe, maybe this widow, who was now also by herself completely, is right in front of the mat. Maybe she's right behind it. She would have been obvious. I think everybody in the culture would have known where this grieving family member would have been stationed in the lineup. But you have people following. Let's say it was a small town of 40 people. The whole town would have been there. And let's say the crowd with Jesus was another 30 or 40. They're all jammed into this one area right here. And so they're, here they come. It's not an accident that all these people are seeing this happen at the same time. That's not, that's not what's happening. But there you have this body. So Jesus does a couple of things. Remember, he sees and hears this woman in this grief. He's moved. He's splankness. It says it in the Greek text. He's splankness has compassion on them and touches. So in the Jewish world, a dead body, it's, it's not about doing anything wrong. A dead body is considered ritually or ceremonially unclean. So you can't touch a dead body and you can't touch anything that has touched a dead body. Otherwise, you've got to stay out of the building, the, the worship building, their synagogue. You can't go in for seven days. He doesn't care. Touches it. And then... He's not a bad grief counselor. He's a phenomenal life giver. Get up. So the boy, the, the man, it's a male, the boy gets up and he gives this person back to his mother. And the thing that detail is powerful. Widows were so vulnerable. If they had no children, they had no man to, to whom they were married and they, she no longer had anybody else. It was her only son. Where do you think they're headed? They're headed maybe to the cave, move the rock out of the way, and inside the cave would be a, a, a slab of rock big enough to put a human body on. And maybe they're going to the cave where her husband was. But her husband's body would have been decomposed, and it's called a bone box. Ossuary is the fancy term. And what happens in these customs is you, you have the body, once it decomposes, you take the bones and put them in a bone box, leave them in there, and then you have the slab ready for the next one. That's where they're headed. Her grief is sitting on top of her grief. Don't cry, Jesus says. And he hands her back life. Now, here's what happens to this, this man who gets made alive again. He goes and he dies, just like every one of us is going to die. That's what happens. But for her life and for his life, they're restored. She's, she's no longer socioeconomically vulnerable. He gives her back to her mother. But all, and Luke wants us to see all that, and he wants to see that Jesus is moved, and he sees all of what's going on, and hears the weeping, and he, he's moved to compassion, and he does something for her and for the boy, and he touches her. And he, I mean, he touches the boy, brings him back to life, and then the crowds are amazed. There's a grapevine effect going on. Just follow carefully in the New Testament, and everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd, and there's always a buzz. It's fantastic. People are talking about this unbelievable great prophet who does amazing things. 
but he does it one at a time. And he sees and hears, and then he responds with compassion, and he always takes action. His muscles, head, heart, hands. It's how Jesus does it. That's what Jesus does. Just, I want to make something clear here. There's another really fascinating feature. Where in the story did you hear anything about somebody having faith? And Jesus responding also to that. There's plenty of stories where Jesus something, does something awesome. And he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Nothing, the only person in this story we know about who seems to have faith is Jesus. Guess what? This is the best news you're going to hear all morning. Jesus can splank not on anybody he wants to. <laughs> he can. He does. I was going to tell a funny story right now, but I'm not because of what's happened in Israel overnight. So let me say it this way. Kathy got up and said that God loves every single person over there. And many of us might be quick to hate what's happened and hate people who did it. And I, I get it. And what I'm about to say is not meant to be political because of leaders who do politics, they've been at each other over there and it's very, very confusing. Just go and talk to people who live there. It's terribly confusing. And you can think and do whatever you want. You can watch Fox, you can watch CNN, I don't care. Here's what I know is true. Jesus splankness every one of them, even Hezbollah, who's applauding it. That may be hard for you to swallow. And I'll, again, that is not a political statement. It really isn't. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say about what's going on over there. It's, it angers me. But this is the truth. Jesus blankness every human being. Iran, Hezbollah, applauding and what that means, friends, is this. It's a theological reality that we have, we're so screwed up in terms of our socio-political stuff going on in the world. But that doesn't change God's love for us one bit. That cross, splankna, that's and. And the, the reason it's good news is this, is every one of us is loved by him. And it's not, here's the powerful piece of, that I know is true. He doesn't love you and me. He doesn't splank you and me because of anything about us. It's not because of anything I am or anything I've done. It's because of who he is. Just let that sink in. You are loved by Jesus Christ who's always going to be and And it's got nothing to do with you earning it. It's not because of who you are. It's not because of what you do. It's not because of what you don't do. It's because of who he is. Oh, and it's a mess over there. I wanted to read you the prayer that came, I mean the prayer request that came, if I could. This came to Kathy and to me and to the people that went to Israel last summer because we met, I looked up the name of the city. It's a little city just off the north east corner of the Gaza Strip, the Gaza part. And these folks were loving teenagers. They were in the nation of Israel, not in the Gaza Strip. And so, they, and they are safe. 
But here is a person who's a leader in Young Life's ministry in the Middle East writing this to us and inviting us to think about the splankna love of Jesus for everybody, politics being the crazy, confusing, difficult, horrendous mess that they are. At times like this, writes this person, her name is, I don't know her name. At times like this, people are drawn to push and drawn and pushed to take sides, to label, to form opinions, to marginalize one group while championing the other. This is a person writing on the ground there. You with me? What I would ask, and Kathy said this earlier, is that we would encircle everyone with prayer. There's so much we don't know. And so much backstory we're not a part of. The best thing we can do is to form allegiances with the Lord only, who loves all his children more than any of us can fathom. Let's stand with him as he provides a covering for them. And then other prayer requests. Particularly, it turns out that right now, all of the people that we met are okay. They're safe. None of them have been militarily impacted. It's a crazy mess. But it, the human condition is that we screw it up. God, you, you, you have personal feelings and views and political perspectives on this. Absolutely. Go have them. Work on them. Listen carefully. Study. Engage. But man, we have to do this in such a way that we know that we're not loved because of who we are and what we did. So Jesus always splankness. He sees and he hears and he splankness and then he touches. There's always an and. You and I often throw the wrong conjunction in. We see it, we hear it, we feel it, and we say, but. We might say, but. And I'd forget, forget the terrible stuff that's going on in the Middle East. Let's, let's come back home. I mean, I, I got kind of heavy, and I know that. But I, I, didn't, I didn't know what else to do. We, we may see and hear it, but we may say, but. We might say, I don't know what to do. Or nothing I could do to, would make a difference. We might say that kind of a but. We might see it and hear it, and we might say, but someone else will do it. We might see it and hear it. This one, this one, the one that's maybe the most difficult. We might see it and hear it and say, but I don't really care. It's not my problem. So I don't know if you've ever felt that way. <laughs> I have, and I have engaged in those before. I'll, but I'm not a bad person. I try not to do that. Here's, here's what's going on. You and I can be conjunction people. We can be the people who make an and into it. But it's not because of our own juice. The same truth that says we're not loved because of who we are. When we are loved by Jesus, and you are, guess what? You now, I now have something to give. I'm not fueling myself. I'm Jesus-powered. You're Jesus-splankened. And so if your splankna has been splankened by Jesus splankna, now you've got some splankna in you. You know what I'm trying to say here? So you can go and splankna other people. You can have concern for other people. It's not because of how great you are. It's because you've first been loved. That cross is empty. Jesus is on the loose. It's in the grapevine. The crowds are talking about it. The news is spreading. And we get to be people who see and feel and hear 
And then we feel, and then we add an and conjunction. And this is how I finish with us today. Who is it? Who is the person right now in your life where you need to supply the conjunction and and let your head and your heart connect with your muscles, with your hands, and go and do something. Go and touch. Take action. I'm going to pause. I'm going to give you a moment to think about and pray about and let it bubble up. Who is the person on which you can share the compassion of Jesus, which you have experienced? I will pray. Who is it? right now in my life in our lives gracious God we've been loved we've been splanked we're going to respond to others we're going to be concerned for others we're going to see and hear it we're going to feel it and then we're going to do something and we're doing that on the fuel that comes from within only because you've loved us first. It's not our self-power. It's not self-improvement. It's humble, compassionate response to having been humbly and compassionately loved. Thank you that you're the kind of God that one at a time in Jesus, you hear us, you feel concern for us, and you reach and you touch us, and you make us into new people. Give us new life as you have to this woman and her son. You are the king of the universe. You're running the show. It doesn't look like it sometimes in some parts of the world, but we're, we are your children. And we're going to continue to respond with compassion as we have first experienced it from you. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up for our last song. I've just got to introduce Austin real quick. He's he joined us on the drum set today, and he is crushing it back there. I just want to be grateful for him. Great job. All right, Splank the people. Let's go out with some joy in us. Here we go. One.
hung upon that cross, that he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we are royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we are running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing it out. Here we go. We were the beggars. Now we are royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we are running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your because we've been splanked. So get out there and go splank to somebody. Who is it? <laughs> 